1: why
2: would Paul say, now come on, don't come every fourth week. Why would Paul say that? Because he knew we can get pretty lazy. So he says, don't neglect our meeting together as some people do. I won't ask you to raise your hand. That's who Paul was talking to. Because if you do, the world will squeeze you into
0: its way of thinking, and you will not Be fruitful. The Church in America looks at the success of the Church in the Book of Acts and wishes that the power displayed in those times was more evident today. The healings and other miracles create a sense of longing to see God do those amazing things now. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, he'll be giving you reasons that you might not see God working in your life to the degree you'd like him to. Although it might be unpleasant to hear, he's going to be talking about things that, if you take them to heart, will narrow the gap between where you are and where you want to be as a Christ follower. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. he will be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 15 as he continues his message, Sticky Word Equals Spiritual Fruit.
2: Now, if the world comes in there, all you're doing is listening to the Word. It never really becomes part of you. And when it doesn't become part of you, there is no fruit either. So this is either a carnal Christian that will have nothing to show God on Judgment Day, or this is a person that never really became a believer. They're just a professed believer. You see, they're unfruitful. They're unproductive. You would have never hired that person ever for the job. But as Christians, we go, well, I don't need to be productive for God, but that's his deal. He saved me. Cool. No, he saved you to change you so people could say, what happened? And you say, well, God changed me. Well, tell me how to know God. So why are we so sterile in the church? Because there's no fruit. Why? Because there's no application of the word. It's not complicated. We see how we should be. Now, what does it look like if we do? And many of you are. Look at verse 20. Others like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word. They accept it. That word accepted in the original means continuing to accept it. It becomes sticky in their life. They obey it. And what happens? And it produces a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. What is that? That's a productive Christ follower. These people make God look good because God's word becomes active in their life and fruit is produced. Now, what does that look like and why does that happen? Three connections that are necessary. This would be a visual picture of John 15. If you go to a vineyard There's neat things in a vineyard. And if you go to a vineyard, you know somebody, if the vineyard looks really good, you know the, well, the gardener is doing his job. Well, in John 15, the gardener is God. He's managing us. But notice, Jesus Christ is the vine. The the life of that plant is Jesus Christ. The life of you and me is Jesus Christ. We are simply the branches. We don't produce the grapes, we bear them. So all of that happens because from Jesus Christ, the nutrients go right into the branch. Why? Because there's a living connection. There's a living, vibrant connection between the vine and the Christian or the disciple. That's the branch. Now, if there's something wrong with that connection, there'll be almost no fruit, or no fruit at all. If there's something hindering that vital connection between Jesus and you and me, then eventually there will be no fruit. But the category we, we just read, there was 30, 60, and 100 fold, why? Because that individual is connected to Jesus and through his word, he's obeying it, he's becoming like Christ, he's living like Christ, his character looks like Christ, he's ministering, and pretty soon there's this fruit It's evident. He's bearing it. That's the picture of what you and I are supposed to be like. Now, there's three connections that are necessary. That little connection up there is crucial to us being disciples and being productive and being useful and being fruitful. Let me give you the three. Let's write them down together. Number one, a person must be connected to God through salvation. You see, if you have never really committed and repented then you're not connected to Jesus Christ in a living, vibrant, dependent relationship. And look at me, this is the problem in the church. We have lots of people that come to an altar, Billy Graham crusade or Harvest crusade or whatever, and they kneel down watching the 700 Club or whatever, and they accept Jesus Christ, they repent. But they never grow, they never get in the church, nothing really ever happens, and they just think they're going to heaven because it was an event. That will never happen. There's nothing vibrant. There was never a connection. It was like a pass-through. And the church is filled with them. This church has plenty. That's you today I'm talking to. Jesus in Matthew 7, I don't have time. Read Matthew 7 toward the end, 20, 21, 22. Jesus says to these people on the end day, they said, look at all these things we do. And Jesus said this, I never knew you. I never had a vibrant relationship. There was nothing personal. You came to church, but it was a churchy deal. There was nothing personal relationship. I never had one. Then he says, depart from me. None of you want that. It's too late. So that vibrant relationship has to come from an ongoing relationship dependence, growth on Jesus. Number two, if a branch, let me just remind you, if a branch is not connected to a vine, it cannot produce fruit. So if you don't see even baby steps, if you don't see some of these things happen, then you've got to go back to the problem is you never were really saved. And today is the day to change that to make that final commitment, say, God, I want to be in there. I want that repentance to be true. What is repentance? See, repentance is this. You're walking away from Christ. You're just doing your thing. That's what independence is. When you repent, you walk and become, that's why we call it a follower of Christ. Now that isn't for like two weeks and then you go back and do your thing again. No, there's no change. There is zero change in your life. So it has to be an ongoing relationship. Number two, A person must be connected to the word of God. You remember John? Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. So reading the word of God is enough. If you're going to be connected to Jesus and his word, it has to be a part of your life. You have to be connected to the word. Not once a week. If you never open your Bible until next week, there will never be fruit. Sorry, it'll never happen. Because you're not going to be changed. The world will squeeze you 100% in the way it thinks. And that's why Paul called them carnal Christians. They were like the world, not like Christ. It's a spiritual battle. I can't make you do it. You have to want to do that. So number two, I have to be connected to the word. Now, there's more. And this one will sound strange to you, but I want you to write it, then I'm going to unpack it for you. Number three, a person must be connected to a local church. Now, that sounds strange in our day and age because of this. If you've been a Christian a few years, you've heard the statement. You invite somebody to church, and here's what they say to you. I don't need to go to church to be a good Christian. I can go to the beach and meditate on God. And by the way, I don't need to be around other Christians. I can do this Christian thing alone. How many of you ever heard that statement from anybody? Okay, there it is. Is that a true statement? It's 100% false. It drives me crazy. Because you know what they usually say? And I never respond to them, so just relax. Maybe that's you today. You're here in church. Praise God. Here's what they'll say. I know the Word of God frontwards and backwards, and I don't need to be in a church. I want to say to them, El well, done so. You don't know the Word, because the Word all through the New Testament says, if you're going to be a growing Christian, be in a local church. So they don't know the Word. So why do I say this? Well, because the Bible teaches it over and over and over again throughout the Word of God. We know that Jesus established his church for lots of reasons, but one is to be taught the word of God. Now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, and when you do, let me just remind you of some things. Our role model for the church that Jesus established, we see it in the early church, the book of Acts. Now, remember what happens just prior to the verse 42 that we're going to look at. 3,000 people repented and were water baptized in one day when Peter preaches his first sermon. Now, let's be honest. These are 3,000 baby Christians. What are you going to do with them? They were from different countries. They ended up staying in Jerusalem for a while. Let's look at it, how it works. Let me unpack it for you. Acts two forty-two. They, these 3,000 new Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? It meant they got together and learned from the apostles. They taught them the word of God. The word devoted means to continue steadfastly, to adhere to, to be sticky, to persevere in the word. Now, let me show you this, and I don't have time to really get into it, but you can go to Ephesians chapter 4 and you'll understand this. In the church, God established pastor teachers to teach you the Word of God, so that you would know the Word of God. So any successful church is a learning church, and it gets together so the Ephesians 4, the teacher pastors can teach the Word of God. Now, in Ephesians 4, it says this, I'm to teach you the Word of God so that you can grow and mature. This is a place where we do that. This in small groups and, of course, in your private group. But here's where you learn the word of God. You open it. You see that I'm teaching it correctly. And then it says in those verses, not only will you learn to mature, but you'll learn to function together, and you'll be perceptive to the evil things that the enemy wants to bring. Satan loves to divide us with all kinds of false doctrine. You hear all this kind of thing going on. It's not true. So this is a protective place. So you're to come. Pastor teachers are to teach you, not just me. All the pastor teachers are to teach you. That is what God designed, the church. You cannot do this without the church. He designed it. He's the head of it. Not just this church. We have lots of wonderful churches. But you need to be in a place They devoted themselves. They were consistently under the word. Let's read on. Notice. And to the fellowship. The person that says to you, I don't need to do this. I can do it by myself. What is fellowship? (laughs) It's getting together with one another. You're going to see one another. You can't do it without each other. Some of you were in a small group for the very first time in your whole Christian experience. It was two minutes, but you were in it. And by the way, did you meet any nice people while you were there? Could, could I see a Yeah, good stuff, huh? Did you hear any weird teaching while you were there? Tell me, because I'll correct it later. <laughs> you see, you're doing what they were doing. And read on. And then they were breaking bread. That was taking communion. We do. And they were praying. And notice what verse 43 says. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And that means it was a spirit-filled church. The power of God was there. And notice verse 44, all the believers were what? Say it with me, together. Well, I don't need to be in a church with other people. Really? Well, that's not the way it works. There's 50 plus one another's in the Bible. If you're by yourself, you can't one another anything. Does that make sense to you? You can And they had everything in common. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They didn't have a church building, so they met out in the open and they broke bread in their homes. When I just got back from China, there's 100 million Christians in China. Where are their churches? In their homes, their home churches. How did they expand? Doing exactly what I'm showing you. And see, they needed to be taught because now they're being able to get into larger areas. How do you do a church? That was what I spent much of my time, showing them how you do a church and why the church is necessary. Ned goes on, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Well, i got to go to church again today, Pastor Mark. I know he's going to be after me. No, that will never work. You want to go because you know this is good for you. And look at verse 47, I love it. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people... And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what is this Christian thing supposed to be looking like? It's this. I get sticky in the Word, right here. Where do I learn the Word? Right here. And then God begins to work in my life, and I become productive. The fruit of the Spirit. And where does all of this explode initially? right here. We're praising God. Now, it's cool to get in the shower and praise the Lord in the shower. Don't some of you do that? I'm not like the weird one here. Don't some of you... Don't you like to praise God any place? I mean, come on. I see you in the car driving. Oh, yeah, Yeah, right. But isn't it better when we were together... And you heard the voices being raised to God. Isn't it terrific? Jesus be the sinner. Wow. Way better. So that's where that happens. And notice what happens when this takes place. When you walk out of the building and the church goes into the marketplace of life, it said people took notice. Why are you so joyful? Where's, where's the smile on your face from? This is a crazy world. And we begin to tell them, well, God changed me when I saw that I was a sinner. God provided Jesus to forgive me. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's have a coffee and talk about it. I'd like to change, but I don't think I can. Oh, yeah, everybody can change. And what is it like? Well, it's a really tough life. But you have God with you. It's way better than the life you're living right now. And pretty soon, what does that last verse say? In God added daily to the church such as what? Should be saved. Do you know in 20 years after Acts 2, with 120 people to start, the known world was turned upside down for Jesus Christ? No PowerPoint. No sound system. No Bibles. The world was turned upside down by a church that was filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, unity, fellowship, and the world was turned upside down. That's our goal. Outside these doors, people are searching. Do you know what? Outside these doors, people think it's about the political situation. It is not about the political situation. This world is not our home. Now, we should be political. We should vote. We should do it. Just vote the Bible. You determine what that is. I can tell you what it is. You just determine it. Just vote the Bible. But do you actually think voting the Bible is going to change our world? No, the only person that's going to change our world is when Jesus comes back to this world. So between now and then, we have to be salt and light and be good uh, stewards and be be good uh, political people and all the rest of that stuff, but it's it's a spiritual battle. Don't get confused; it's a spiritual battle. And by the way, let me remind you one more time: we're on the winning team. But the most selfish thing you and I can do is go to heaven alone. We weren't called to go to heaven alone. We were called, if we're disciples, to go in all the world and preach the gospel and teach them to know how to follow Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something very different. Are you ready? Two of you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This week, I want you to, number one, pray. Say it with me. Pray. Pray. I want you to pray for an open door. Pray for an open door to invite someone to church. To, come on, to invite someone to church. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Mark? Here's what I mean. In your prayer time tomorrow morning, just say, God, either today or the next day or the next day. Just keep praying until he opens the door. And when you see somebody and they begin talking about something, say, you know what? You promised to come to church. I've never seen you there. Would you come with me next weekend? You say, well, Pastor Mark, if they say no, so, do you know that the majority, way more than 90% of people come to a church, not because of advertisement, because of an invite, personal invite, they're looking for somebody to invite them to church. So I'm serious. It's time we change our community. It's time we fill our churches up with people that are searching. See, they're searching, but they don't know where to go. There's lots of great churches, but we go to this church in our own areas. So let's pray. By the way, do you think God's hardest for people to come and get saved? Yes. Absolutely it is. So I want you to pray for it this week. I'm going to be on Facebook. I'm going to be reminding you. I'm going to ask our IT people to get me your address, and I'm coming to your house to see <laughs> to see if you're doing it. No, I know you want to do it because you want to please God, right? That will please God. So seriously, this isn't just something I'm saying. And I'm not into like come back to church day and all that. I'm after a people coming to God. And they can find God here. Of course they can find God before they get here. Even better. But they need the church to learn to be a disciple. I need you. And you need me. And we all need God. And that's how we do this together. Let me show you the last verse, then we're going to leave. By the way, if you have somebody tell you they don't need to come to church, just give them this verse. Kindly, but give them this verse. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So when we get together, we stimulate each other. That's what I've done, hopefully, with you. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Now, this is written 2,000 years ago. Why would Paul say, now, come on, don't come every fourth week. Why would Paul say that? Because he knew we can get pretty lazy. So he says, don't neglect our meeting together as some people do. I won't ask you to raise your hand. That's who Paul was talking to. Because if you do, the world will squeeze you into It's way of thinking, and you will not be fruitful. I've been doing this for more than 50 years. I guarantee you what I just said is 100% true. So Paul says, as some people do, but encourage one another. There's the one another again. You can't do it alone, especially now that the day of his return is drawing. It's getting bad. Do you think this world's getting better? Dream on. Jesus is getting ready to come back. But he said this, he's not gonna come back until the whole world hears. That's why you and I
0: are here. The church isn't the building. It's the people who still worship Jesus and praise his name despite whatever obstacles stand in their way. Today, we want to invite you as the extended Church of Jesus to join us virtually for our weekend worship services. Pastor Mark and Calvary Chapel, Melbourne are continuing to meet online during this time and you can be a part of our services. Visit calvaryccm.com slash live to watch on our website or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. Just search for Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Our services will take place at 6 p.m. on Saturdays and again on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 more information or to find links to our stream, visit calvaryccm.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor Mark's teachings from this series and feel free to share them with your friends and family. We also have devotions available under the connect tab and you can visit our social media pages as well. All this can be found at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask that you continue to pray for our country and for those around the world who are suffering during this pandemic. Please lift them up to the Lord and pray that his name would be magnified in every corner of the earth. Please pray for our leaders as well and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living Financially during this time, we would be grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Lessons for Life.
1: In a